Hi, welcome to the Gillett and Brims podcast. This is episode number 32. Um, I'm Nat Gillett and I've got Andrew Brims here with me today. Hello. Today we're going to look at the subject of sin. Now, that's not a uh, popular word, but like the word repent that we looked at a few weeks ago. It's one of those sort of religious words that's not that popular. But we're going to look at the word sin and what sin is. Um, and for that, just as our base, um, Andrew is going to read us a verse from Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and made cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now, sin, as I said, it's one of those religious words, not very popular, and probably a bit misunderstood, really. I mean, sometimes newspapers have it in, in them, don't they, in their headlines or, or something, just to sort of communicate someone's done something really wrong, really dark, really horrible, really evil. And I guess most people, when they think about sin, they probably think of it means being a bit naughty, yeah. doing something wrong. On the, on the end of the spectrum, doing something really evil, like murder or rape or whatever. Yeah. But as we found, we were in a little group, weren't we, once, when we were doing one of these introduction to Christianity courses. I remember we went around the room and half the people there were Christians, half of them were not. All the Christians said, yes, I recognise I'm a sinner. And all the people who were not, wouldn't call themselves Christians, said, no, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm sinful. I didn't want to have that kind of... Self-identity. ...label as being sinful. They all said I'm not perfect, but they didn't want to sign up as being sin, sin, yeah. sinners. Yeah. Which I just found really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so sin, is, is it just... I'm a bad person. I do not. I do bad things. Is it? Is it more than that? I mean, yeah. The, I mean, the Bible gives us a lot more of a kind of fully formed picture, kind of a myriad of ways of thinking about the concept of sin. And I wonder how much of a hangover from kind of having two lawyers as very key figures in the Reformation, uh, John Calvin, and then um, sorry, Martin Luther wasn't a lawyer as a monk. Um, this kind of very legal way of mm. thinking about the scriptures, and that was very pervasive and, and very influential in our thought sure. as um, you know European Christians and um, Protestants. This idea of sin as being kind of a legal thing, a shortcoming, whereas the scriptures that is part of it. Absolutely, mm. you know, we we do do bad things, we do do naughty things, we do do awful things, and there is a uh, a just punishment for that which we should bear i think the scriptures that is clearly in there mm. but then it is more fully formed i mean if you go back to the genesis account yeah um, there's there's that legal thing in there but it's very much about a breaking of relationship mm. uh, about a banishment uh, about being handed over to a kind of another power mm. and then yeah i think this verse in, in jeremiah which we read out mm. is a very kind of clear picture of We've forsaken something, this this life, this this goodness, we've walked away from it and we've tried to do things in our own way. And then there's other things, aren't there, talking about sin as kind of this power within us. Um, I want to do what's right, but I can't. Mm. Uh, and then there's almost kind of this overarching, I mean, you talk about the phrase, I think, mate, cosmic peer, pr- cosmic oh, peer pressure yes. you used to talk about a little a while, bit. Yeah. yeah. What's the, how, what do you mean by that when you, when you speak about that? Cosmic peer pressure, yeah. Well, yeah, what, what is peer pressure? It's, 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 
um, at school or at work or in your football team, isn't it, where your peers, um, almost invisibly, without not necessarily saying uh, it outright, um, influence you. And it's kind of invisible force that, that kind of influences the way you behave. And I think in society, there's a whole range of things, aren't there, that like unbelief, people end up you know, spending too much money on themselves, being greedy or not helping the poor or um, and uh, selfishness and a, a corrupt view of, of who Jesus is and an obsession with sex, maybe, and all these other things, kind of these invisible forces. And not necessarily anybody is saying anything to you, but they're affecting and they're sort of influencing um, the way you're behaving. So you end up kind of doing doing things that you might not necessarily think are right, but you, you, you do them anyway. So there's this cosmic peer pressure that just kind of seeps into you and influences the way you behave. A bit like peer pressure at school. Yeah. And I think that is cool. That is the power of sin. Yeah, stuff, stuff that if you if you press us on it, we know that it's wrong, and yet we do it anyway because everybody's kind of doing it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's a helpful way of looking at it. So, mate, you you often talk um, with people who wouldn't call themselves Christians mm. about this kind of stuff. How much of um, how much do you try and bring the sin concept in as you're talking to people about Jesus? How much do you leave it to one side? How do you explain the idea of sin? Mm. Can you present the gospel and Jesus without it? What's your thinking on those kind of things? Well, it's tricky, isn't it? Because as I said earlier, when we were in that room with people, half of them are not Christians, and they were just... People don't like to ident- identify. People don't really like the word sin, and they don't like to identify with themselves as being sinful for various reasons which we might get into in a minute i think i mean it happened to me a few weeks ago somebody said to me well i don't need religion to be a good person and i said to me absolutely right you don't you know you absolutely don't need religion to be a good person but that's not what christianity isn't necessarily about being a good person it's about knowing god it's about there's this idea about being reconciled to god now jesus has come through his death on the cross to reconcile us to god and so I think I would probably, depends who I'm talking to, depends what relationship is with them, but I think I would probably start with this sense that we are, our relationship with God is dysfunctional, our relationship with God is broken, and Jesus has come to put that right. Now, why is it broken? Because we do things that are not pleasing to God, we have turned our back on him, but it's more than just... Um, I think I'll be talking to them and not and not trying to sort of say to them because I think when I was younger I'd sort of say to someone I don't know try and try and sort of get them into admitting they've done something wrong yeah and then you you quickly go to some you, people people just kind of get either embarrassed or they just pick on something very minor and yeah. sort of like oh well I, I swore at my mum once yeah. you know it's like well that's not really what I'm talking about like what we're talking about here is you are separated from God uh, do you feel that how would you, how would you feel that mm. a sense of like life's got no meaning a sense that you're never content a sense that no matter what you do, no matter how much money you get, no matter how many people you sleep with, no matter how many decent relationships or jobs or opportunities you get, none of them ever satisfy you. But why is that? Why is that? Maybe that is to do with sin. Um, and it's not because you swore at your mum once. You know, if we, if we can trivialise sin, I think we've got to try and, when we're talking with people, bring it back into that sort of significant ground where actually people begin to see that Sin has made a dent in their life, and their life is not as it should be. 
they're not as content as they could be, then they don't know God's love. They don't have a relationship with God. Because the bottom line is, this verse from Jeremiah, is that people have turned away to other things and made those things the things, their sources of satisfaction, their sources of joy, their sources of this is where I draw my energy, my life, my um, sense of well-being and purpose and delight from. And God is saying, you should be drawing that from me. So I think when you're talking with people, you need to, slightly difficult maybe, but try and communi- how, how do you, you know, communicate that we're, we're built to be reconciled to God. We aren't. And because of that, lots of different things get dented and misshapen in our lives, which yeah. mean our life is not as it could be. And then we do have great news, don't we? Mm. Jesus walks in to that. Yes. And he changes it. How, give like a real example, um, or talk about it more theoretically, but how how does Jesus reconcile us to the Father? Well, one of the pictures that the New Testament of the Bible uses is a, is a picture of debt, isn't it? Like there is a sense that I, 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 I've spent, I'm in debt, and Jesus on the cross takes that debt and he pays it for me. Because if you're in debt, I mean, goodness me, if you ever talk to someone who is actually in debt, they're pretty desperate. Yeah. You know, if you're in debt by tens of thousands of pounds or more. Yeah. And somebody comes along and says, I'll write you a check for that. Yeah. You're going to be pretty grateful. Yeah. It changes your life, doesn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and that, I think the Bible would say that we are in debt. It, not in, not in, in debt to God, as if we could pay it back. But there's a sense that something has happened in our life which... Has put us in arrears. Yeah, it's gone beyond our own power to rectify. Yeah, and and we need a a, a saviour from outside to yeah to set us right. Yeah. So most people I've spoken to who are not wouldn't call themselves Christians, you ask them why did Jesus die on the cross, yeah. and they say for the sins of the world. Uh-huh. They know the answer, but it's not made made an impact in their yeah. life. Now. The cross of Jesus, where he, that, that event in history, that in my opinion changes everything really. It's so easy just to skip over that mm-hmm. and not really feel the weight of what's going on there and sort of be be changed by it. I mean, sometimes, you know, just meditating on that image and reading the, the stories again at Easter or whenever it is you do it. I think I have been overwhelmed by the sense of that sacrifice that Jesus has paid for us and yeah. things. But... Like how can we get to grips with that a bit more and um, get our, our heads around what's happened, why, how sin has been defeated? you got any thoughts on that? I think as you walk through life, um, it's interesting actually tomorrow, the day after we're recording this, I'm going to speak um, at my parents' church. It's on the road where I grew up, on Chilton Road. And it's quite a well-off area. And I remember growing up on that road and... You look at all the houses and the nice, nicely laid out gardens in the front. And I've walked that road thousands of times. And I used to walk that road and think, everybody is happy here. Everybody's perfect. Life's good. And then over the years, you, you hear snippets and you hear stories and you get to know people. And even in that lovely suburban paradise... There is such brokenness, tragedy, betrayal, addictions, and just this overwhelming sense that even though we've done our best to make life look great, 
And we do this on Facebook, <laughs> like curate our lives, edit our lives to present this picture. It's not as it should be. Mm. And, you know, if you if you put the blessing out, may your life be even half as blessed as it looks on Facebook. Everybody laughs because they know it's true. It's like, it's not as it should be. And Jesus walks into that and he, he doesn't kind of magic it. He doesn't make it like perfect suburbia. But he walks into the mi- middle of our brokenness, takes the chains off of us, which we couldn't take a- away from ourselves, heals things that we didn't think mm. could be healed. I mean, part of his mission statement to bind up the brokenhearted. I mean, our culture, our nation, our humanity is desperate for that. Mm. And he's actually quite good at that, um, to bring restoration out of darkness um, even when we were the perpetrators, even when we were the people whose fault it was, mm. Jesus can walk into the middle of that and, and bring rescue, bring healing, bring restoration and the promise that that will all be wrapped up in totality, in fullness when he comes again is absolutely amazing. Because mm. on the cross, Jesus takes all of that brokenness and unfaithfulness and fear and sin and takes not only the actions of sin but the outworkings of that sin i think as well and all that sin brings and he takes it and it's almost that i think in some people ask me why did jesus have to die and there's a couple of reasons there i'm only going to explain one now but like he takes that stuff and he kills it yeah like how do you stop something having power in your life you you burn it you kill it you get rid of it you know what i mean and jesus in his death takes it and he sort of holds it in a you know in on himself and 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 it dies with him almost the power of it and for those who believe in jesus when they put their trust in him and and and, it, and accept it and ask for it that power to break the power of sin and death and fear and shame and guilt and failure and rebellion and evil is broken yeah. inside of that someone who's who's accepted what jesus has done on the cross and it is it can sound utterly trivial to someone who's not experienced it and doesn't believe it but to someone who has experienced it and believes it, it you it's absolute dynamite yeah that cosmic peer pressure punctured yeah boom disarmed yeah very very powerful we just need to meditate on this stuff we just need to yeah keep coming back to it i'm gonna finish things off with a couple of verses from colossians which I think summarise very well what we're saying. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Jesus. That's Colossians 2. 2, 13 to 14. Brilliant. Well, why don't we leave it there? See you next week.